Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You expecting me to go? Expecting me to start? I start at 4.02 every day. Were you expecting me to, to go? Were you expecting the show to start? That must be frustrating. Right? That, that's got to be. I mean, you build your schedule. You turn your radio on. You turn on the stream or you listen to the podcast. You expect my voice to be there at 4.02 p.m., right? Of course. Set your watch to it. It's the same time every day. Expect me to be there for you. Right, and I'm not. And th- that would be frustrating. I wouldn't enjoy that sitting there waiting for me to start talking. Well, actually, here's the thing. Um, I'm in negotiations with my boss. You see, I want more money, uh, and my bosses say they don't want to pay any more money. My boss, in fact, doesn't even really want to be my boss. My boss has told me multiple times he could just make more money if he just simply invested money into the stock market instead of being a part of this awesome sports network. Pretty lame, right? I want money. He's just kind of an old, crabby man. That would suck, right? Not your problem, but I thought I'd make it your problem today by not starting the show on time. Just like baseball. I am paying tribute to baseball if you haven't caught on to the bait yet. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today. And I I guess my life wouldn't be that much different if this lockout wasn't happening and if pitchers and catchers were to actually report today. I'd still be sitting here, still going to talk a lot about the Super Bowl. But it it just bothers me. It just annoys me. Baseball acts like they're the coolest sport around. And they can afford to take time off and give people a chance to forget about them. Hell no. You know how uncomfortable I was sitting there for 15 seconds just letting the music play before I started talking? I was super uncomfortable. It made me cringe. Why? What if you change the channel? What if you get impatient? What if you go away? Baseball. They're not worried about that. No. They're a bunch of millionaires and billionaires fighting over money. That's what we like to say. Pitchers and catchers forced to report today. Instead, we had Matt Harvey, who was speaking... Was it a deposition today? He was subpoenaed in the Tyler Skaggs case, and he's talking about how they used to crush oxies in the dugout. So really good day for baseball. Excellent. Supposed to have pitchers and catchers reporting today. Instead, we're getting labor disputes and depositions on drug use during games. And then we're seeing pictures of Matt Harvey bleeding out his nose on the field. So really good day for baseball. Great job. Really, really good job. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're not going to talk too much about baseball today, but we are going to speak with our good friend, one of our goodest of friends, David Gasper, who is the grand poobah at reviewing the brew. He is watching and following and covering and writing about the brewers really as much as anybody. He's great. And throughout the season, he'll join us about once a week. I just hit him up this morning. I'm like, look, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today. They're not. You want to come on anyway? You just want to BS about baseball, talk about what we know, you know, complain about Rob Manfred. It'll be fun, right? A little vent session. So he's going to join us at 530. I don't know if I originally said 430, but he's going to be here in an hour and a half. That's the only guest tonight. 
So I'm hoping we get lots of interaction. I can speak with you on the talk and text line at 608-796-2558. You can follow me. Get at me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I'm going to talk a lot about football between now and 530 when our friend Gasper joins us. Whether it's the Super Bowl, I have some questions that I want to pose to you, some things that I've been thinking about since Sunday. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Did this game make us think about Aaron Rodgers differently? What about the news over the weekend? I just have a couple of Aaron Rodgers topics, new topics that I'm just going to throw your way. Maybe you find them interesting. Maybe you want to jump in and join the conversation, or maybe it's just whatever. But I have a couple of bullet points with Aaron Rodgers that I want to throw your way. We're going to do that basically between now and the time that David Gasper joins us. Again, you can text and call, and you can follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant. To begin yesterday's show, I climbed up on my soapbox a little bit. I reiterated a take that I had two weeks ago. And I I love when I have a take and then we watch more games. And then I like a take even more. And my take from two Mondays ago, right after the AFC and NFC championship games, I said, making the Super Bowl isn't that hard. It's challenging. It's, It's difficult. It's hard. But it's not as hard as Packers fans think it is. Because our minds have been twisted. They've been warped. We've come up short so many times over the last decade that we have built up a Super Bowl birth as a solar eclipse, right? Like, it's, it, it can't be done. It, it, almost, it almost shouldn't be done. It, it, it's impossible. It's a mountain that can't be climbed. And then we got to watch Jared Goff climb that mountain. Okay. Jimmy G climb that mountain. And now Matthew Stafford climb that mountain. And I like Matthew Stafford, but he's not a Hall of Fame level top of the league quarterback. Joe Burrow did it in his first full year as a starter. So, yeah, making a Super Bowl is hard, but it's not as hard as Packers fans have started to believe based on what we've seen for the last 10 years. And watching that Super Bowl on Sunday really reaffirmed that belief, that take that I had two weeks ago. And I love that. We all love being proven right. I'm not the only one there. I'll admit it. You might not, but we all love it. We all love it when we make an argument and then we turn out to be right. And I think that take was proven right. Now, this Bengals-Rams Super Bowl also left me with some questions, and it got me thinking about some things that I wasn't thinking about or talking about leading up into this game, especially with the quarterbacks. And maybe the quarterbacks shouldn't be such a a big deal in this game. Maybe we should talk more about the head coaches. We should certainly talk about Aaron Donald. Absolutely. But quarterbacks get a lot of the attention. They're going to get a lot of the credit. They're going to get a lot of the blame. And I have a few questions about the quarterback play that we saw on Sunday. So I thought I would pose these questions to you. We could hash through them, think about them, maybe try to come up with an answer, or at the very least, move forward in our sports lives with these questions in the back of our mind, because I'm not sure I have answers to either of these questions. I have two, one inspired by Joe Burrow, one inspired by Matthew Stafford. Let's start with Joe Burrow. Question number one, why do quarterbacks make life harder for themselves in big moments? Why, 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 why do they do that? Quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy G, Matt Stafford, whoever. Quarterbacks could take easy, designed throws that are within the flow and the design of their offense. That'd be the easy thing. Hey, uh, the play sheet says this guy is going to be open on this route, so just drop back and then throw him the ball. It's the way the offense is designed. That's how things have been set up for the quarterback. But yet, so many quarterbacks hold on to the ball and they absorb pressure and they dance around in the pocket, and they look for the big play. That's the hard thing. Why are we doing the hard thing? Now, if a receiver comes out of the route, they're not open. Okay, well, now we scramble. Now we extend the play. Now we dance around pressure, and we look for something else. But on a lot of plays, I'm watching Joe Burrow, especially in the Super Bowl, 
hold the ball a little bit longer than he needed to, ignore a receiver that was open, and instead throwing to a wide receiver that was covered. Early on in that game, there was a play, and it might have been on third down. It was the first or second drive the Bengals had. Joe Burrow on third down is dialed into Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is triple covered. T. Higgins is wide open. Never looked T. Higgins' way because I think Joe Burrow in his mind before the snap said, I'm going to Jamar Chase. I don't care, right? That was He made his mind up. He was going to do that. He was doing what he had decided on rather than what was easy. And I don't get why quarterbacks choose to do the hard thing and not the easy thing. I don't think it's an ego thing. I think a lot of fans would tell you it's ego. Well, Aaron Rodgers wants to make the big play because he wants it to be about him. Uh, I don't I don't I don't buy into that. I don't believe a quarterback would rather lose playing hero ball than win playing normal ball. Bo- boring ball. Like I, I think Aaron Rodgers if he if he couldn't play hero ball but had another Super Bowl, I think he'd take the Super Bowl 11 times out of 10, right? I, I don't necessarily think it's an ego thing. Maybe it's not intentional. Maybe it's nerves. Heat of the moment. Quarterback gets a little frazzled and they start doing weird things. We've all seen this, right? Maybe you have this at your job. Maybe you put maybe you play video games. If you play video games, here's a good example. Uh, if you play Fortnite or if you play Search and Destroy, games that are kind of battle royale style, or once you're eliminated, you gotta wait for the round to be over. And if you ever played Search and Destroy and Call of Duty, or you've played squads on Fortnite and you're the last one standing and you know everyone's watching you and expecting you to clutch up and win it for the team, oh I'll melt down. I'll jump off of a high ledge. I'll forget to reload guns. I'll just become a potato, right? And maybe, similarly, that's what happens to quarterbacks. You get a little pressure, get frazzled, and you start doing weird things. I'd like to think Joe Burrow watches Sunday's film back and thinks, oh, my God, what what the hell am I doing? Why am I going to Jamar Chase there? T. Higgins was wide open. I never looked his way. I never saw him. Jamar Chase is in triple coverage. You got Tyler Boyd run open down the middle of the field. Why did I go there instead of there? I'd like to think that Joe Burrow sits down and watches the film and thinks, oh, my God, I need to correct that. I need to fix that. I need to get the ball out more quickly on that play. I think that Joe Burrow can probably watch the tape back and realize that he needed to be better and more crisp and more prepared on, say, four of the seven sacks he took. There were a couple plays where the offensive line gave him no chance, but there were other plays where Joe Remember, you're playing the Rams, buddy. That's Aaron Donald that's coming after you and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. Yeah, come on, man. Wake up a little bit. You, you got to get the ball out. You got to be dialed in. You got to know where you're going at the ball almost before you snap. All right, this is my read. This is my guy. This is my hot route. And, and it seemed like he got a little comfortable. He was holding the ball. He was He was doing the harder thing instead of doing the easy thing. Now, Joe Burrow in only his second NFL season, really his first full NFL season, can watch film and adapt, and next time he's in a big game against a strong pass rush, he can play more boring. He can do the easy thing. Play like Tom Brady. Take what the defense gives you. I I don't know with Rodgers. Rodgers has been playing the way he has played for a long time. Rodgers is not just beginning his career. His career is winding down, and I don't believe that Aaron Rodgers will sit down and watch this playoff tape and think, oh my God, why didn't I throw that? Why didn't I throw the easy ball? I I think Aaron Rodgers is set in his ways. He was going to Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams is his guy, damn it, and that's what he's going to do, and that's what he'd do again tomorrow and the next day and the next year. So a player like Burrow, I'm going to think about watching film and adapting a little bit differently, and I'll think about Aaron Rodgers, and maybe that's something we'll return to. That was my first question, my first thing that I was thinking about from quarterback play on Sunday. My second question comes from Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, and it's something that I'm trying to wrap my mind around, and it's something that I need to take a drink of water before we talk about. One second, please. 
much better. How did Matt Stafford keep hitting Cooper Cup on that final drive? How was Cooper Cup open? How did Matthew Stafford find him? And how did the Bengals keep allowing that to happen? Everyone knew it was coming. Everyone knew that Cooper Cup is their guy. In fact, Odell Beckham was hurt. Robert Woods was hurt. And if those guys weren't hurt, Matthew Stafford was probably still going to look for Cooper Cup. It could not have been more obvious. Take away OBJ. (laughs) Take away Robert Woods. There's Cooper Cup. And the entire Bengals defense should have known. And their entire defensive staff up in the booth should have known. And yet, Cooper Cup still got it done. Cooper Cup may have just had the best wide receiver season ever. He won Offensive Player of the Year. He won the Triple Crown. He won the Super Bowl MVP. 178 receptions, 22 touchdowns, 2,425 yards. Cooper Cup is a walking, blinking red light. Pay attention to me. Double cover me. Scheme against me. Bing, 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 bing. He wasn't sneaking up on anyone in this game. And yet, on the Rams' final drive, their go-ahead drive, the biggest drive of the game, he finishes with four catches, 39 yards. He converts a fourth and one on a sweet play or on an end-around play. He drew three goal-line flags and then caught the go-ahead touchdown. How did the Bengals allow that to happen? Now, the question about the Bengals is secondary. What I want to know, how did the Rams figure out a way to do that? How did McVay and O'Connell, O'Connor, O'Connell, the guy the Vikings are hired, I'm sorry, How did Stafford and everyone involved with that Rams offense find a way to get Cup the ball when the defense and everyone on that defensive coaching staff knew that they were going to try to get Cup the ball? How did that happen? How did the Rams offense pull it off? And my second question, and here's where I'm going to bring the Packers in, if Stafford and Cup can do it, why can't Rodgers and Adams? I think we all believe Aaron Rodgers to be a better quarterback than Matt Stafford. And I think in a lot of ways, we believe Devontae Adams to be a better wide receiver than Cooper Cup. Now, I think there are things that Cooper Cup does better than Adams. But if you were to to get a bullet point of all of the traits that you'd want a wide receiver to have, I think Devontae Adams checks more boxes than Cooper Cup. Maybe it's close, but Adams is better than Cup. And yet Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in a playoff game is terrible. But Stafford and Cup, man, they are dialed in. I want to play you a clip from the Ryan Rosillo podcast. This is Trent Dilfer talking about how Cup and Stafford built such a rapport in only one year together. Remember, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have been together since 2014. Cup and Stafford figured it out this season. Here's Trent Dilfer talking about maybe how that happened. And this got me thinking about maybe why it hasn't happened for Rodgers and Adams, at least not in the playoffs. And he's unbelievable on that final drive. And he does it with his boy Cup. I loved how they talked about 6 a.m. meetings all the time they spent together. When Matthew was interviewed after the game, they asked, how do you do that? And he says, it's a lot of hard work because that's the reality of this. Like what shows up in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl when the game's on the line started on a Tuesday morning at 5.15 when your alarm goes off and the rest of America is still sleeping. And you go in. And you walk into that facility, and it's dark, and the only people there are the security guards. And you meet your boy, Cooper Cup, oh, who, by the way, has a little kid. So, you know, wife's doing the wake-up, feeding, all that. You're in the office, and at 6 a.m. to probably my guess is 8 o'clock, probably a two-hour stretch, they're grinding out third and four coverages, third and seven blitzes, run adjustments, rotation changes, bracket cover, and they're going through all this boring stuff that isn't getting posted on social media, 
that isn't getting talked about on podcasts, that isn't getting talked about on NFL Live, that gets no glory, no celebration. But that's what they're doing. And some of these other quarterbacks might not be doing it. Now, I'm not implying that Aaron Rodgers isn't getting together early in the morning with Devontae Adams to work on these things. I don't know. But Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup were able to develop a rapport so good in just a couple of months that they were able to break down a defense in the biggest moment of the season when everyone, everyone knew that they were going to try to connect, and they connected anyways. Adams and Rodgers should be able to do that, and they haven't been able to in the biggest games, and it bothers me, and I don't know why. Let's talk more about this coming up next. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Text and call 608-796-2558. Some hot takes being thrown around. Aaron gave me a text. When I was comparing Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, I said, I think Adams is better. I think it's close and they do different things, but I think Adams is better. Aaron says, no way. Adams is overrated. To which I responded over the break. I said, "Ah, I don't know about all that. Um, But if you want to argue Cup is as good as Adams, all right. I think that's very fair. And Aaron responded with this. Says, was there a single game Cup was shut out like Adams was multiple times this year? I think Rodgers makes Adams better. If he leaves, I think he falls off a la Robert Ferguson. No, I just, no. Now I think you're taking crazy pills, Aaron. Go back and watch that game against San Fran. Adams was getting balls thrown at his feet. Yeah, when Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are synced up, I think Adams is, I think he's a beneficiary of playing with Aaron Rodgers. But to act like he doesn't have all the traits of a wide receiver that could go anywhere and play anyone with anyone against any defense at any time, mm-mm. No, he's too technical. He's too skilled. He's too polished. That that dog will hunt no matter what offense you put him in, what quarterback you play him with. There are plays that Aaron Rodgers and him do together. And, and Aaron, this is what I'm talking about. And I don't mean to just speak with Aaron. If you're just joining the show for the opening segment, we talked a little bit about how Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup from day one this season were electric together. And it's not just that they put up regular season stats and put together great highlights against, you know, 500 or worse teams beaten up on, I don't know, the Washington football teams of the world. They got it done and they connected and made plays on the most important drive of the year, the game winning drive of the Super Bowl. When everyone knew the ball was going to Cooper Cup, they found a way to get the ball to Cooper Cup. And Aaron Rodgers, who I believe to be better than Stafford, and Adams, who I believe to be better or just as good as Cooper Cup, depending on your point of view. And Aaron, I'll hear you out a little bit, but I think you're taking this too far, buddy. They can't get it done in playoff games. They can't figure it out. Why? Why? Why, 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 why? The 49ers secondary, you might say, well, the Packers were playing a better defense than the Bengals. No, they weren't. The Niners secondary was poop. They're not good. The Bengals secondary is pretty decent. They don't have any superstars, but they have a lot of good players. The Niners don't even have a lot of good players. So I don't know how Stafford and Cup can get it done while Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams can't. Cup and Stafford have only been together a year. Rodgers and Adams have been playing together since 2014, and yet in playoff games, they look as unfamiliar with each other as any other wide receiver or quarterback duo in the league. You get what I'm saying? 
I don't know that there's an answer to that question. I'm just throwing it out there. It, it bothers me. It frustrates me a little bit. Yesterday, staying on Aaron Rodgers, we talked about the Schefter news. Talked about how the Packers are prepared to go all in and, uh, and give him the big deal and give him the contract and, and whatever. Do everything they can to keep him, right? And then Ian Rappaport had a report. And, and yesterday, I, 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 I mean, it's not my point to make this an anti-Schefter thing, but I just said, oh, the timing's a little interesting that this comes out on Super Bowl morning. I don't know that it's breaking news. It's an update, right? It's, a, it's not a scoop. It's, it's, it's an announcement. Maybe announcement is the right word. And Schefter and ESPN conveniently rolled that out the morning of the Super Bowl to have something to talk about. And I get it. That's, that's how business works, especially with the Aaron Donald retirement rumors, the Sean McVay broadcasting thing. That came out the morning of the Super Bowl. Okay. I'm ready to be done talking about Aaron Rodgers in the national sphere. Now, on this show, we're going to talk about him because it's our Packers. we got to figure out their future. But as far as national news is concerned, I think everybody's going to stop talking about Aaron Rodgers. I'll explain why. But first, we're going to go to the phone, 608 608- Seven nine six two five five eight. Excuse me. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? <clears throat> Hello. Hi, this is Mark with an important wow. message about your automobile service contract. Seems wow. like the time to renew or extend your service contract has wow. expired or will be expiring shortly. If you would like to keep coverage or extend it, press eight to speak to a customer service agent and go over options. Press the number nine if you are declining Should coverage press eight? or wish. I wonder if I can actually get to someone. Do I legally have to tell them they're on the radio? Hold on. Oh, they hung up. I was going to ask how did they thought Cooper Cup's better than Devontae Adams. Damn it. How did they get this number? I get getting it on my cell phone, but on the radio? Now my ass is in the jackpot. You're messing with my show. Messing with my livelihood. My car's not worth insuring. I haven't gotten it washed in like a month. My car needs love. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I'm ready to be done talking about Aaron Rodgers on a national level. The conversation's going to live on this show, but on a national level... Let's, let's talk about some other people. And Colin Cowherd, who I really like. I don't love all his takes, but I like his show. I get why people are sometimes annoyed with him. He had this take on Matthew Stafford. And you know what? I actually agree with him on this point. Not with all of his Stafford discourse, but this I love. I love this take. But Stafford has no drama. He's not jonesing for attention. He's not the single guy trying to find himself. He's an adult. He married his college sweetheart. He has adorable kids. His only celebrity friend... Is his buddy from high school, Clayton Kershaw. Oh, Clayton, I forgot. I wish we'd spend less time talking about people who create drama and more time about guys like Matt Stafford, who put his head down for 13 years in lowly Detroit, didn't talk about it, didn't complain about it. And after all that time, he finally went to management and said, may I please be released? And they had so much respect for him in Detroit. They cared so deeply about Matt Stafford. They let him choose the team, and they let him stay in the NFC. Isn't, that's actually wild. It's something that I hadn't thought about, and I think that's worth mentioning, and I'm glad Coward brought it up. The Lions had so much respect for Stafford. They wanted to do him right to the point where, oh, we're going to trade you somewhere in the NFC, and if we play against you, you'll smoke us. Uh, and you might even go win a Super Bowl in our conference. Might have, to, might have to go through us. Might have to go through the Packers, right? Whereas if the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers... They're not dealing in the NFC. It would be like sending him to Tampa, right? Go join a super team that's catered for you to win right away. I don't think the Packers would do that, but the Rams and the Lions, they made that happen, and Detroit did him a solid. Now, I Cowherd's never liked Rodgers, 
as much as most people. He's complimented him at times. To act like Colin Coward's been a hater of Rodgers since day one, I think, is a little bit hyperbolic. But he's been critical. And as the years go along, I, I kind of get why. It's like, so we get the drama. We get kind of the, the melodramatics on the sideline. And we get the attitude. But where are the playoff wins? Where's the, the playoff run where you elevate a team, Right. If I was a member of the national media, if I hosted a national sports talk show, if I was Colin Cowherd, I'd be like, why are we talking about Rodgers? I'm not doing this again. We've been doing this for years. I'm not doing this again. Let's talk about Stafford. That's a cool story. Let's talk about Joe Burrow. That's a really cool story. Or Justin Herbert. Let's talk about literally anyone else. Now, this show, we're going to talk about Rodgers, and it is my goal, my sincere goal, um, that we don't overdo it, and that we don't talk about Rodgers just to talk about Rodgers. If I'm bringing him up this offseason... It's because there's an interesting conversation to be had. Like, coming up next, I want to talk about the Jordan Love pick and maybe how that changed the situation with Aaron Rodgers and maybe changed his level of play. We're going to talk about that coming up next. But I promise over this offseason, I'm not going to come in and just talk about Rodgers to talk about Rodgers. needs to be interesting. But if I was a member of the national media, why are we talking about the Packers? They made it as far as the Titans did this year, Right? I would talk about Kyler Murray being all weird and ghosting the Cardinals. There is something to that. It turns out there was something to that Instagram story, by the way. I was skeptical. You all were not, and you were correct. I'd talk about anybody else. If I was Cowherd, if I was Stephen A. Smith, if I was any national talker, I'd be like, I'm not, I'm not doing the Rodgers thing today. I think people are tired of it. I'm tired of it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I wish I could ask that scammer their thoughts on Aaron Rodgers' play. Do you think they should trade him or not? Getting spam calls. Let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to talk a little bit more about Rodgers, but again, I think it'll be an interesting discussion. Here's a question, just something to ponder over the break so you're ready when we come back. How much impact do you think the Jordan Love pick had on Aaron Rodgers' play the last few years? Different framing if you need more. Would Rodgers have won these last two MVPs if not for the Jordan Love pick? Think about that. I want to talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, David Gasper reviewing the brew, going to be here in an hour. We're going to talk, I don't know, what should we talk about? We're going to do something related to baseball. Probably come at it from a couple different angles. We'll probably talk about the lockout and talk about Rob Manfred. We did have some new details emerge yesterday in the contract of David Stearns. I guess if the Brewers make the World Series this season, if there is a season, he's free to go. If they come up short, he's under contract for one more year. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it's one year. It's not the end of the world. And if they make the World Series, I think Brewers fans, we'd take that. I actually got thinking about David Stearns as he relates to the Brewers in in kind of a different way from that news story yesterday. So I want to bring that up with Gasper, other Brewers-related things, etc. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today, so out of tradition, little symbolism, we'll have our, our baseball guy, David Gasper, on. He'll join us in an hour. We're talking right now about Aaron Rodgers, and I want to make this clear. I want, I want to get this disclaimer out there, and I'm probably going to hammer this pretty hard this week as we now transition away from actual NFL season and we get into the offseason, I want to make this very clear. I don't want to talk about Aaron Rodgers just to talk about Aaron Rodgers. If I'm bringing him up on this show and we're having a discussion, I want it to be something interesting, something unique, something that's worth pondering and worth discussing. Otherwise, we'll just talk about something else, 
right? Because we'll we'll hear Aaron Rodgers talk from plenty of other sources, which I think is dumb. I think the national media should kind of move on, talk about new, fun stories that are actually worth talking about. The Packers lost in the same round as the Titans. Do we talk about the Titans? No. We talk about Aaron Rodgers. Why? Let's talk about some more fun things. But on this show, we're a Wisconsin sports show. It is my goal to at least make our Rodgers conversations interesting. I have a Jordan Love topic that I want to bring up. The question is kind of, how much of Aaron Rodgers' performance the last two years do you think is because of Jordan Love? Do you think that Aaron Rodgers wins these last two MVPs if not for the Jordan Love pick? Something to think about, something to ponder. Let's talk and ponder with FedEx Fred. Fred, welcome to the show. What's up? How's he going? I am uh, I'm swell. I, I'm intrigued by Stafford and the Bengals, and it feels like we have some fun topics today. And, of course, we're going to do a little of Rodgers as well. Yeah. Uh, so... First off, uh, I heard your opening and you were talking about Cooper Cup and how he was left so wide open. Yeah. The guy's just a phenomenal route runner. He's just a phenomenal route runner. He, he, when you run a perfect route every time, you, you're basically uncoverable. Yeah, but isn't Devontae Adams one of the best route runners in the league, too? That's his strength, too. Is he, like, I, that should that should work. That dog should hunt then. I, I don't know. Well, with the Devontae Adams is, which you kind of you're kind of right with. Uh, Cooper Cup was the only good wide receiver on the Rams after Beckham went out injured last on Sunday night. Yeah, and Devontae Adams has been fighting that struggle all year of being the only good wide receiver on the Green Bay Packers. So of course he's going to get double teamed. And then to get to your Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would would have won the last two MVPs if they didn't draft Jordan Love. I don't think so either. I, I'm with you. I don't think I don't think he does. I think he slowly declines, and we're just kind of okay with it. And he's comfortable, and he knows the Packers aren't going to do anything. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I I think the Jordan Love was that. Oh, oh, I better get it together, or I might get Brett Favre and traded out of here on terms that I don't want to leave. I think so too. I, you know what I, I think of? I think of comments, and I have the audio. I'll play it after we're done chatting here, Fred. When he was on the Pat McAfee show last year, and they asked him about his decline a little bit in 2017 and 2018, and he had this line where he basically said, you know, a down year for me is a career year for other quarterbacks. And he's, he's right, and it's kind of funny, but, like, he can't be thinking that way. You know what I mean? Oh, I played, like, dump. Well, I'm still better than most guys, so whatever. Like, I, I think that's how you get complacent, and I think he got complacent before that Jordan Love pick. Well, how long was it? How long has it been before Jordan Love that the court, that the Packers drafted a, a backup quarterback? But Brett, in, Brett in, the, in the first three rounds. Oh, not the. I don't think they ever did it in the first three rounds. When did Matt Flynn was a seventh rounder? I mean, not at any point in recent history. No, it would have been pre twenty ten, pre Super Bowl. So he hadn't. He never once had any ounce of a competition or somebody coming in going, "Hey, I got a chance of of taking your." taking your job no no he hadn't nope that was the that was the first time really yeah so which i think was a, a good move it made him say oh whoa i gotta get back on this horse and start going at it again or i'm going to be out of a job <laughs> yeah i i agree and i disagree with you fred i'm gonna keep talking about this but i'm gonna let you go i appreciate the call have a good night yep FedEx Fred, I appreciate you, man. 608-796-2558. I'm glad Fred went there. Well, it makes it a good pick because it motivated Rodgers. Yes and no. Like that, 
if if the Packers knew that selecting Jordan Love was going to get them two MVPs out of Aaron Rodgers, well, that's the smartest front office ever. Okay, well done. <laughs> playing chess instead of playing checkers. Like every other team's like, well, we're a linebacker away. And the Packers just think, no, we just need to piss off our quarterback and then we'll be better. So if that's truly what they had in mind, brilliant. But you should never need to do, like shame on Aaron Rodgers for that. If Aaron Rodgers was playing that below his level of capability and the only way that he was going to start playing better is if he knew that his job was on the line. Well, then, dude, what are you you just coming in to collect a check? You just know that it's small town Green Bay and they're going to love you. You want him a Super Bowl. So what are they going to do, run you out of town? No, you're Aaron Rodgers. And that's why I got thinking about this little clip from the Pat McAfee show two years ago, and we laughed at the time, but I think now it, it kind of tells us something. You know, I, I, I sometimes laugh when people talk about, you know, down years for me, because a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. Yeah! yeah, well, you're not most quarterbacks. You're Aaron Rodgers, and you're not paid like most quarterbacks. You're paid a lot more than most quarterbacks. Well, uh, it's down year for me as a career year for more, most quarterbacks. Well, great. You're, you're down year this year. Your season was a career year for Matt Ryan. Awesome. Because that's what we're paying for. Because I'm a, a, a stan of Matt Ryan. That's who I want quarterbacking my team. Like, really? And he's not wrong. And I get it. Like, you're allowed to have a bad game, a bad year here and there. And, and no doubt, we judge Aaron Rodgers on a different scale than we judge a lot of quarterbacks in the league. But that's because he's better than most quarterbacks in the league. Right? I think what happened, especially post-2018, when Mike McCarthy was fired and Ted Thompson was fired and replaced, Mike McCarthy was fired and replaced, I truthfully think that Aaron Rodgers sat back and thought, all right, all right. Obviously, it wasn't my fault. You know, they pinned this on McCarthy. He's gone. At one point, they pinned it on Thompson. He's gone. I'm the man. I'm the effing man. I'm going to play out my career here. I'm just going to hang out in Green Bay. We're going to win a bunch of divisions. Um, and if I decline and play a little bit, whatever, I'll just joke on the Pat McAfee show and I'll say that down years for me or career years for other quarterbacks and fans will love it. I want them a Super Bowl, so they better love it. And I'll just, you know, when I'm ready to retire, I'll hang it up. And then they drafted Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers had to start trying again. I, man, I don't know. Far be it for me to question someone's effort or someone's work ethic, or someone's time that's invested. But the last couple offseasons, you know, Aaron Rodgers is in Hawaii, or he's hanging out with the Dalai Lama, or he's swimming with sharks. And again, vacation's super important. Like, you got to have a mental escape, a physical escape. I, I try to go once a year on a five-day trip. I take a week off, and ever since, really, we were done with high school, we've done it. We take a trip out west. We go fly fishing for a week, knowing that Monday to Friday, I don't have to worry about any work stuff. Just clean slate and go out west. You can fish. You can hang out. We can do bonfires, cook a, del- cook a delicious casserole over the fire, take some pictures with fish, make some memories, and then come back. You feel recharged, right? That's if you take a trip to the Florida Keys, if you go to Mexico, you come back feeling recharged. I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers can't have an off season, but I don't know if he's about it in the way that some of these other guys are about it. I mean, since 2010, When Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl, these are the quarterbacks in the NFC that have made the Super Bowl. Eli Manning, Colin Kaepernick, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Nick Foles, Jared Goff, Jimmy G, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford. There's one guy in that group that's better than Aaron Rodgers, and it's Tom Brady. Stafford, in moments, can be just as talented and flashy and arm talent and ability, but over the course of a whole season or over the course of a whole game, no. I get it's a team sport. Kaepernick had a really good team, and Eli had a great defense. Cam had a great defense. 
You know, Nick Foles had a pass rush that was just ridiculous. But Aaron Rodgers has had a decade taking cracks at this, right? And every year he's been beaten to the punch by some quarterback that's not as good as him. Maybe it's just because he doesn't want it as bad. Maybe he got complacent. Maybe he got comfy, right? Again, I'm going to play this clip again. I played it to start the show. I'm going to play it again. This is Trent Dilfer talking about Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup and how in one season together, they built a connection that's better than any quarterback, any wide receiver connection in the league. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have been building this unspoken connection since 2014. Getting to a playoff game doesn't get him anywhere. And yet Stafford and Cup figured it out. This is what Dilfer said. This is from the Ryan Rosillo podcast. And this stuck with me. I saved it earlier this morning. And he's unbelievable on that final drive. And he does it with his boy Cup. I loved how they talked about 6 a.m. meetings all the time they spent together. When Matthew was interviewed after the game, they asked, how do you do that? And he says, it's a lot of hard work because that's the reality of this. Like what shows up in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl when the game's on the line started on a Tuesday morning at 5.15 when your alarm goes off and the rest of America is still sleeping. And you go in and you walk into that facility and it's dark and the only people there are the security guards. And you meet your boy Cooper Cup, oh, who, by the way, has a little kid. So, you know, wife's doing the wake up, feeding, all that. You're in the office and at 6 a.m. to probably my guess is 8 o'clock, probably a two-hour stretch, they're grinding out third and four coverages, third and seven blitzes, run adjustments, rotation changes, bracket cover, and they're going through all this boring stuff that isn't getting posted on social media, that isn't getting talked about on podcasts, that isn't getting talked about on NFL Live, that gets no glory, no celebration. But that's what they're doing. And some of these other quarterbacks might not be doing it. I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers' work ethic isn't there. I mean, this sounds a lot like Devontae Adams, what he tells young wide receivers. Run routes fast, full speed in the offseason. Don't be posting hype videos or workout videos. Run routes. I think Devontae Adams is there. Is Aaron Rodgers meeting up with his wide receivers in the offseason to do this? He's not coming to OTAs. Is he getting to the facility early in the morning and grinding and locking in with these guys and working on the little details so when the playoff games roll around, they're ready for tough situations? Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. But it blows me away that Stafford and Cup in a playoff game, their third playoff game together that they've ever played in in their first season together, they locked it down and they clinched a Super Bowl on a game-winning drive and Adams and Rodgers gets into a playoff game and we're like, why is he, why is he feeding him the ball? He's really good and yet it doesn't look really good. I don't know. I think what's happened is Aaron Rodgers got complacent over the years. He said, well, if I have a bad year, it's still better than most guys. So whatever. When that's what you need. You need what Trent Dilfer is talking about. And I don't know if the Packers are getting that from Aaron Rodgers. I think they get it from Adams. I don't know if they get it from Rodgers. Let's take a break. Take your thoughts on this. 608-796-2558. Coming back in three minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Before five o'clock, we'll get an update from our buddy Zach Heilbrin. You can hit me up before then. Give me a call or a text 608 796 2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Follow me there. We can tweet anytime, but especially during the show, it's fun to go back and forth. 
I pose you this question. I think this is an interesting topic. I don't think there's an answer to it. But you can certainly make an argument. You can certainly approach this from a couple different angles. How much credit does the Jordan Love pick get for the last two seasons of Aaron Rodgers? And the coaching change in 2019 complicates this a little bit. Let's let's go back through this timeline. Let's remember. 2017, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, but even when he's healthy, it doesn't look great. 2018, Aaron Rodgers plays the full season healthy, except for a concussion at the end of the year. Um, they lose to Josh Rosen and the Cardinals at home. This team bottoms out, yes, even with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. He's bad. But Mike McCarthy was the coach. Okay, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Let's, let's get it together a little bit. I'm not saying that he was sandbagging to get his coach fired, but you play a little bit better than that, Raj, to the point where you're maybe not losing at home to Josh Rosen and the terrible, terrible Cardinals. Mason Crosby missed a field goal. Oh, the special teams let him down. That's right. That's right. Poor Aaron Rodgers. Kicker is terrible. It's not like he's had an amazing kicker his entire career in Mason Crosby. So then Mike McCarthy gets fired, and in 2019, you bring in Matt LaFleur. And Rodgers is fine. The team is better, but Rodgers is fine. He's average. So we start to wonder, well, is Rodgers really on the decline? Is this really the beginning of the end? And then he says, well, you know, a down year for me is a career year for some quarterbacks. We're like, oh, he's so right. <laughs> he's so right. He's so right. And then in the second year under Matt LaFleur, the offense pops. Then you could say, well, that's because they had a, a year in the system together and he knew the offense and they were able to sit down in the offseason and work on some things. And that's probably true. But also the Jordan Love pick happened in there. You think that has nothing to do with it? You're really going to tell me that the Jordan Love pick had nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers getting two consecutive MVPs after not winning one since 2014, after playing so poorly in 2018, his team misses the playoffs and they fire their coach, fired their GM, was that in 2017? Right after 2016, and they brought it back. Thank God we kept Dom Capers around for that extra year, though, just to, just to prove, just to really, really know for sure that he wasn't going to be the guy. You're telling me that the, that the Jordan Love pick had no impact on Aaron Rodgers winning two consecutive MVPs, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't buy into that. I think it did. I think Aaron Rodgers started to get complacent. He said, well, they fired the GM. Now they fired the coach. I'm obviously their guy. What are they going to do? Get rid of me? Fan base isn't going to turn on me. They love me. I want him a Super Bowl. A legend. I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. I'm going to be in, in their mind with Bart Starr and Brett Favre and now Aaron Rodgers. And man, I'm, I'm royalty. Sure, my play is dropping a little bit, but who cares? Still better than most of the quarterbacks in this bum-ass league. And then they drafted Jordan Love, and I think his reality was shattered a little bit. I don't know that Rodgers is the most mentally tough individual. I, I, I think, I don't know, I think he started to break down a little bit with that Jordan Love pick. Well, I thought my future was going to be here, and I thought thought I was going to go out on my terms. Well, not if you're playing like this, you're not. Really quickly, before we take our 5 o'clock break, let's go to Brenda in Madison. Brenda, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? I heard you were in my neck of the woods over the weekend. Yeah, and I'm going to be back in your neck of the woods for a wedding this weekend. I'm going to be in Stoughton, so I'm coming back. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so Rogers has even said, if you look back, even when he got drafted by the Packers, he even said, I'm going to play with a chip on my shoulder, especially against San Francisco, who didn't draft me. Yeah. And for a long, long time, he did. He played with that chip on his shoulder. And he does play better when he's got a chip on his shoulder. It's been proven through the years. But where did that chip go? When did we lose that chip, Brenda? Did it go away in <laughs> 17, 18? Because it, 
It's not like if it would have went away right after the Super Bowl. Sure. Like if you would have played like no. dumb starting in 2011, I get why you win the Super Bowl. That chip goes away. But I don't know why the chip got lost at some point over the years. I think it kind of just kind of he kind of achieved what he wanted to achieve. And then, like you said, the whole thing with Mike McCarthy and, uh, you know, things kind of got muddled and stuff like that. And then drafting Jordan Love definitely put the chip back on his shoulder. Do you, you think, know, it ignited a little fire under him a little bit. Do you think Brian Gutekunst, I mean, truthfully, do you think he considered that when he made the pick? He's like, well, Jordan Love might stink, but this is really going to make Rodgers mad, and that, that'll make him play good. Do you think he thought that, or do you think that's something that you fans know, think of? I think we probably, I mean, and it's kind of a, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking that, yeah. you know, we're, we're looking back on this and going, yeah, with a fire under him. I don't think that was what the whole point of it was. It was, well, Rodgers is getting up there. He's had a couple of years where he's had some injuries, mm-hmm. broken collarbones, concussions, you know, toe this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's not completely injury-free every season. We need somebody who can back him up and maybe be the next quarterback. Let's draft him. Yeah. I, and I think the motivated Rodgers is probably a side effect. All right. So the chip on this is another nice piece of evidence to consider. I'm glad you called and brought that up, Brenda. I got to let you go because I got to take a break. But thanks for the call. Bye. Bye, Brenda. That's Brenda in Madison, 608-796-2558. Now, remember, David Gasper from Reviewing the Brew is going to join us in a half hour at 530. And we're going to talk baseball. We're going to talk about the lockout, but we're not going to dwell on it. It's going to be an uplifting conversation. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today, so we'll talk about that. I want to ask him a David Stearns question or two, maybe a Craig Council question or two. Bad day for baseball. They got in, in a courtroom. They got Matt Harvey talking about taking Oxy in the dugout with Tyler Skaggs, who has now passed away. Obviously, we all remember that. So bad day for baseball. We'll try to be uplifting. David Gasper reviewing the brew will join us at 530. But time to talk Packers. Until then, join me. We'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> Sports show. I wanted to take that commercial break early because I want to give ourselves plenty of time throughout this part of the show, this half of the show, to talk baseball with David Gasper. And my hope is to talk with you as well. Let's get that commercial break out of the way. We'll give ourselves plenty of time to chat. We're not in a rush to take breaks here between now and six o'clock. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Give me a call or give me a text. 608-796-2558. We're going to talk football until about 5.30. That's when David Gasper will join us. So we got about 20 minutes. I have a couple of bullet points, a couple topics, a couple prompts that I've mentioned either regarding the Super Bowl or the Packers or Aaron Rodgers since the start of the show back at 4 o'clock. So let me reiterate some of these. I have two questions coming away from that Super Bowl about quarterback play. Some things that I don't understand about the quarterbacks and what I saw on Sunday. One with Joe Burrow, and this is something we've experienced with Aaron Rodgers. Why is it that quarterbacks make lives harder on themselves in big moments? They make things more difficult than they need to be. The quarterbacks could take it easy, hit design throws within the flow of their offense. It's easy. Throw to the open guy. But yet so many quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers... I think we saw a little bit of this from Joe Burrow on Sunday. Hold on to the ball. 
absorb pressure, deal with the pass rush when you don't have to, and look for the big play. That's the hard thing. You could do the easy thing, but a lot of quarterbacks do the hard thing. And I think some fans attribute it to ego. I don't I don't believe that. I don't think Aaron Rodgers' ego is forcing him to look for the big play instead of just taking the easy play. I don't believe a quarterback would rather lose playing hero ball than win playing boring ball. I guess is that what we would call it? Like, I think something happens mentally. We get a little frazzled, heat of the moment, nerves kick in a little bit, and quarterback just starts doing weird stuff. I'd like to think that Joe Burrow is going to watch that film from Sunday and think, oh, God, how did I not see that guy? Why didn't I just go to my read? Why didn't I trust my play call? This guy was open. Why am I throwing it here, right? There was a play, I think, on their first or second drive of the game where T. Higgins is going down the sideline wide open, and Joe Burrow forces the ball to Jamar Chase in triple coverage. Joe Burrow, who's only been in the year for, been in the league for two years. Last year, he barely played. This year was his first full year as a starter, his first playoff berth. Joe Burrow's very young. He has time to go back and watch film and learn and adapt and tweak his approach in big games against good defenses with strong pass rushes. Rodgers isn't young. I don't know that Rodgers is going to watch film of the Niners game and be like, oh my God, this is horrible. Oh, why am I throwing to Adams? I, I, I must be better. No, I think, I think Rodgers knows damn well what he's doing. Joe Burrow's young, naive. I don't know that Joe Burrow knows what he's doing. That was the first question I had about the Super Bowl quarterback play. Second question, and this is one I truthfully don't have an answer to. I have some ideas, but I don't know for sure what the answer is. How did Stafford keep hitting Cooper Cup on that final drive when everyone knew it was coming? Everyone knew. Every defender on the Bengals' defense, every coach or assistant or coordinator in charge of the Bengals' defense up in the booth or on the sideline, every fan watching at home, every person in the stadium knew they're going to go to Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is their guy. And they were able to do it anyways. Why? Why, why, why? How? Because Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams can't do that. And I think Devontae Adams is better than Cooper Cup or just as good. And I think Aaron Rodgers is much better than Matthew Stafford. So why can Stafford and Cup figure it out after being together one year and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, who have been together since 2014, can't figure it out. That bothers me. Two questions coming away from the Super Bowl. I don't have answers. I have ideas. We'll talk more about that. I have some Aaron Rodgers points that I've made as well. I'll reiterate those coming up next. First, we'll talk to Jeff. Jeff is in lacrosse. Jeff, welcome. What's going on? Well, I I was just I just tuned you in. I'm on my way home, and I have a couple of thoughts. First of all, I think every quarterback, and I watched um, our quarterback this year force balls where they shouldn't be. Yeah. I think they all have a huge ego to some degree and believe they can throw a ball within any place. And that's what makes them good, and that's what also hurts them at the same time. So it's confidence. They have to learn to rein themselves in a little bit. Okay. Okay. I get that. Confident. They're overly confident in their ability, because I bet all quarterbacks are, right? Professional athletes, they believe in their ability. They know no other way. Okay. That's a, that's, that's a good bullet right. point to add to this. I like that. Yeah, and, and uh, the Cooper Cup and Stafford thing, what what I think is the way this is Mr. Old School once again, but it's almost impossible to play defense in the NFL anymore. And you knew he would get – I just knew on that drive he'd get the benefit of the doubt if there's any contact or anything. That's yeah. – I mean, Cooper Cup is an outstanding receiver. Just I, I take him on the Bears in a heartbeat. I, sure everybody else would want him on their team too but 
Yeah. I don't see how they stop him. Any any kind of contact and they throw a flag and they let everything else go the whole game. It was it was a real strange deal there. Well, I, here's the thing. I, FedEx Fred called in in the first half of the show and he said, well, Cooper Cup's a really good route runner. He knows how to get open. But isn't that what we say about Devontae Adams all the time? Good route running wide receivers always know how to get open because you'll show them any defense and they'll know how to beat it. I don't know how Cooper Cup was open and Stafford found him. And Aaron Rodgers can't find Devontae Adams against a San Fran defense that's not nearly as good as the Rams. It bothers me. It bothers me, Jeff. Right. I, I think Rodgers is better when he's spreading the ball around than when he's looking for Adams. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he falls into that, that category. The Bears used to force the ball to Allen Robinson like crazy, and that wouldn't that doesn't that doesn't work. Eventually they'll somebody will be able to shut it down, double team or whatever. Somebody else is open out there when they're double teaming somebody. Well, yeah. Now they just don't throw the ball to Allen Robinson at all. They got the Bears have to find a middle ground with Allen Robinson, where they're not feeding him all the time and forcing, but they also don't ignore him. It felt like he was ignored at parts this year. Right. I I think he will be an ex bear, quite honestly, because he's going to be too expensive. I like, I really like Mooney, and I I think Cole Komet can make another step up or two, and I think they're. They're getting there, but they still need another wide receiver there. And I don't think Robinson's going to be the, you know, receiver 1A or receiver 1B. He wants to be a 1, and I'm not sure he's that good anymore. Yeah, it's Um, it's tough to tell. When you don't throw him the ball, he he just, he's not fast. Mooney has speed, and he's got decent hands. His hands need to get a little better, but he's made a lot of strides for two years. I like Mooney. My roommate's a Bears fan. He loves Darnell Mooney. And he would know a little bit yeah. more about Mooney than me. I, I just think if we learned anything from the Rams or, or the Packers the last couple of years, you need to have multiple receiving options. Like, that helps you get right. through the playoffs. That helps you win games. But in the biggest moment, like we saw in the Super Bowl on Sunday, Cup and Stafford were able to get it done just the two of them. And in playoff games, I've never seen Adams and Rodgers do that. I think they have it in them, but for whatever reason, they just haven't. And I think personally, you're you're at your best when you're hitting your tight end and you're throwing to Jones out of the backfield as well as as Adams. I think that's when your your offense looks unstoppable. It seems when you go to one one player, it seems to hamstring you. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I see. Well, I don't know if it's the fact that he's just going to Devontae Adams. I think it's how he's going to Devontae Adams. Like the Rams on the final drive, they saved it. It's like, all right, we need to get 60 yards and a touchdown why overthink it? It's like the last two minutes of a basketball game, right? Where you don't want Giannis or Kevin Durant taking every shot the entire game, but when you get into crunch time, you want the game to be decided by those stars. So I think the Rams did it smartly. They spread the ball around for a lot of the game, but in crunch time, they really start to dial in and use their best plays for Cooper Cup, and maybe that's something the Packers need to learn how to do, is to save their best Devontae Adams plays for when it matters most, and not week six against the Eagles or whatever. Right. You could you could be right. One of the things the Rams tried to do that was mystifying to me is mm-hmm. they tried to run it, run it, and run it, and they <laughs> couldn't run it for more than a couple of yards at a carry, but they kept pounding away, and it was I, – I haven't figured that one out yet either because they weren't getting anywhere with it. Yeah, but they proved their toughness, Jeff. They they, they showed how manly yeah. they were by, <laughs> by establishing the run. Yeah, well, you and everyone else talking all, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I like the running game, but, I mean, it's got a – Two yards of carry isn't going to get you far, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, Jeff, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for the call. It's nice to hear from you. 
Yeah, good to hear from you, and keep up the good work. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Have a good night. That's Jeff in lacrosse, 608-796-2558. I think two yards. You're being kind, Jeff. What did they end up with here? I got the box in front of me. Uh, 13 carries for 21 yards. Sean McVay, ladies and gentlemen, feed him. Got to establish the run. Prove your toughness. Set up play action. All, all of these other things that we believe to be truths but aren't really truths. They're just kind of cliches. Now, I want to go back to the phones here, uh, but I would be remiss to not point out that in the first half of the show, uh, we were we, we got a spam call from a car insurance call, uh, call company. Um, and this number on my caller ID looks suspicious, so I'm a little afraid we're going to get scammed again, but whatever. I don't want to turn away a call. we got to at least give them a chance. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, this is Papalot Chris of the Player. Papalot Chris, you're not a scam caller. Hell yeah. What's going on, Chris? I am, I am not. I am not. Hey, I heard you talking about the uh, Stafford and Cooper Cup thing. Yeah. Uh, followed Cup because I had him on my fantasy league quite a bit this year. Um, he, uh, you know, they talked about it after the Super Bowl. Somebody asked the exact question you're asking, which was, you know, how is it that you, everybody knew you were going there, but you still went? And Stafford actually even said, he said, look, we were together every morning at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. going through things, talking about what we were doing, what we needed to do. And I think they just got, you know, for, for guys who were together for only one year, you know, they dedicated the season to making sure they were on the same page. And you did say that Cup runs good routes. You know, everybody that I've watched who have talked about him said that he is an exceptional route yes. runner. Yes. And that, uh, you know, that, that there's nobody better in the league right now. Yeah. Cooper, I mean, Cooper Cup. See, I, I think I'm like a lot of people, Chris, in that maybe early on in the season, I'm like, oh, Cooper Cup is good, really good wide receiver. And every time I watch him, I'm like, no, he's even better. He's be- No, he's better than I thought he was. And every time I watched him, I just, my, my opinion of him got higher and higher until he completely, he won his team a Super Bowl with that final drive and the plays that he made on Sunday. Yep. <sighs> yeah, I think he's, a, he's one of those guys who just, he's a true craftsman. You know, I mean, he, he wanted to be perfect in, in every possibility. He reminds me a lot of Jerry Rice when Jerry Rice back in my day, you know, when when they said that, you know, he wanted every route to be perfect. Yeah. Well no one's no one's had a season like Cooper Cup just had really since Jerry Rice. Before I let you go, Chris, can I ask you and maybe you don't have an opinion on this one way or another. I'm trying to figure out if, if I feel strongly about this. When you hear Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and people talk about how every morning they were working together and getting it dialed in, do you think Adams and Rodgers do the same, or do you think Rodgers does that with Lazard and MBS, or do you think that's something that's lacking with the Packers? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how they run their practice. It's, I think it's more of the, the you know, off-season stuff. It's uh, you know, trying to get on the same page. It's the communication, the talking. Yeah. Um, I, I personally, I'm... I'm like your last caller, I happen to be a Bears fan, so oh. um, I am. I, I think that uh, Rodgers is an exceptional talent, but I've often wondered in watching some of the failures. And I watch all the Packer games as well. Um, is you know you had heard back in the McCarthy days that, that there were a lot of questions of, of whether he was you know audibleing to calls because he he has said in the past you know he he'd like to throw the ball in every down. Yeah, and I wonder if it's you know a little bit of that, or if it's just yeah, there is a obviously there's a familiarity that they have that is unquestionable between Adams and and Rogers, and um, you know to your point earlier, 
I think maybe he just thinks he can he can make every throw in every tight window. Yeah, I think so. Well, Chris, I believe you're a first-time caller. It was nice to meet you, and, and don't be a stranger. Call back anytime. This is nice. All right, Greg. Thanks, sir. Yes, that's Papalock Chris. Your your number looked wonky, and I and I just I got my my antennas up for scam calls now because we got a we got a car warranty call earlier, and I couldn't even get through to a real person. I wanted to ask whoever was on the other end of the line. I wanted to talk about you know is Cooper Cup better than Devontae Adams? I wanted whoever's opinion it was to put him on live radio. Chris, you said something about how long Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have been together, and you're right; they've been together a long time. Maybe we overestimate how far that actually gets uh, a wide receiver quarterback duo. You know what I mean? Like, sure, they've been together since 2014, but are they are they putting in the, the requisite work, or do they just they've known each other for a long time? Because I have friends that I've known for years and years, friends that I've known all the way back to elementary school, right? But that doesn't mean if we started a business today, we'd be amazing business partners just because we've known each other a long time, right? We would want to sit down, we'd have meetings, we'd want to get organized. So just because Rodgers and Adams have played together for a long time, yeah, that's great. But Stafford and Cup showed you don't need to know each other for years. You can develop rapport and a connection really quickly if you put the time in. So I, I don't know. Yeah, they've been together since 2014, but maybe we overestimate exactly how impactful and important that is. Dave is in Monona. Dave, it's good to hear from you. What's going on? First of all, the fact that Cooper and... Um, Stafford spent every morning together has nothing to do with it. You don't think so? They, no, because Cincinnati stuffed them all the first three, uh, three, first three quarters and 58 minutes of the game. Cincinnati was in a pre-bed defense. Don't let the ball go over your head. You're up mm. by four. And they let him go down the field thinking Stafford's already made two mistakes. And if they sit back, he would make another mistake. Had nothing to do with the, the, the court, you know, them working together. Plus the fact that here's the difference. Here's the difference between Cooper, Chase, and Adams. Okay. Adams out of those three, Adams is number three because he's a chicken blank. He's publicly said, I'm not going back doing any punt returns. I'm not doing any oh. jet sweeps. Don't let the door hit you in the ass all the way out of town, Adams. Yeah, the last four but, years yeah. he's done nothing. He's done nothing. Cooper Cup, you know, on that fourth down and one, that's what a professional is. But he ran that jet sweep and he got a first down. Adams isn't doing that. What, what are we doing? We're running a jet sweep with a slow white guy. You got Cooper Cut with speed. You got Jamar Chase who can fly. Those guys are pure thoroughbreds. We got Adams, you know, who won't go behind the line. No, I mean, don't be signing the guy. I mean, Cooper Cup's a phenomenal because he's willing to go back and do things on the punt return and like Chase. And but if, if you're going to pay Rodgers all that money, guess what? You're going to have no defense next year. Yeah, get rid of both Adams. Adams, guess what? See you later. Yeah. I, mean, you, you, I mean, the last you know, you know that you guys can look it up. The last three, four years, you know, he hasn't done anything. He had double coverage, triple coverage, because he doesn't do anything else. Yeah, I. You know what's funny, Dave, is when I watch Cooper Cup, I see someone who's got a smaller frame, really physical, really fast, and then Adams is a little bit lankier, a little taller. Cooper Cup's actually taller than Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is 6'1". Yep. Cooper Cup is 6'2", but they look very different. So I, I hear what you're saying. Adams doesn't want to return punts, do yep. all this. But is that what Devontae Adams sweeps. is good at? Like, would he be good at jet sweeps? No, because he won't, because, because he's already proven he doesn't have the guts. So when he says <laughs> he's not going to do well, he just says, yeah. I don't want to do punt returns. That shows me you're a coward. You want to get paid $25 million to go down and catch passes? Do something in December sure. and maybe say, hey, our special teams stink. 
I'll go back there. I'll run those jet sweeps instead. Alan Lazard? Are you kidding me? As far as Rodgers, you know, he, he just goes brain dead in the big games. He doesn't trust, you know, he says, oh, I trust my players. No, you don't. He, I mean, you have the fastest guy in the NFL, don't they? And uh, Marquise um, yeah, Valdez? Valdez Scantling, yeah. Have you, have you ever seen a jet sweep from a guy who runs about an eight flat, 100 meter, you know, I'm exaggerating, 100 yard dash? Yeah. That's what Sean McVay does. No, I mean, um, no, Adams, I have no fear. Let him go. You know, Rodgers, he wants to come back. Yeah, this team is going to be horrible with Jordan Love. But come on, you really think Rodgers wants to get paid fifty million? He doesn't want part of a rebuild. But no, no, Adams, CLA, you're a coward. Well, what do they do, Dave? Because well, I want your opinion. If we're talking about wide receivers, right. Adams is an unrestricted free agent. Lazard is restricted. MVS is unrestricted. Really, all of the guys other than Amari Rodgers and Juwan Winfrey, they're losing. They they have to they have to make a move to keep any of these guys. Yeah. What do we do? Do we start over? Do we start fresh? What, what do we do? Because they need new nope. receivers. They they need to overhaul this entire nope. position. I, you, you, well, you got to keep Valdez because at least he has some values when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. The guy the guy does in some games. He does go deep as trusted deep. Lazard, I mean, they're the white guys are a dime a dozen slow white guys. They got to they have got to <laughs> get if you look if you notice they got to get a tight end like a Kelsey type player. Who can stretch that field? Sure. Adams, yeah, Adams is good, but are you going to pay him twenty five million dollars? It's going to take Just, more than uh, that. Yeah, but they can't. I mean, they're yeah. Packer fans. They're not both coming back. That's a fact. They're not both coming back unless you know Rogers decide, uh, you know, to take a fifty percent cut. And he should. You know, not, be a man. No, not, be a man. Give receivers, some money back. Hey, receiver, they're a di- receivers are a dime a dozen. But you got to keep Valdez. He's fast and. Maybe you get big, you know, Bobby Tunyon back. He started to show some promise. Lewis, I'm sorry, but, you know, he can block, but, you know, those, those are a dime a dozen. Blocking tight ends. Well, Rodgers, I guess, trusts Dominique Daphne. He's the only guy he threw to in the NFC title game. You know, before I let you go, Dave, this thing about trust, yeah. who Rodgers trusts. You know what? I don't care who you trust. Throw the ball to who's open. I'm a little sick of that. Bingo. I'm not going to lie. Tom, yeah, hey, Tom Brady, 10 Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers, one. That's all you need to know, Rogers. Tom Brady doesn't trust anybody. He knows. He knows where his players are going to be. And when they're open, how many Super Bowls you see Tom Brady throw to uh, running backs twenty-five times? Yeah, yeah. Can you see Rogers doing something like that in the Super Bowl? No. Yeah. God, this is great, Dave. Thank you so much for calling. I feel like we worked through some things here. We made some progress. No, but I heard you're going to be gone Friday. What are you? But now you're a big shot. Now you're taking more time off. No, 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 no. Hey, here's what's happening. My one of my best friends from college is getting married. I'm in his wedding. So, so the rehearsal dinner's Friday. So I got to go Friday, and I'm wearing a tux. I'm not wearing some new. I'm not wearing a turtleneck. You would respect it. So I'm going to go be in his wedding. So Ben Kenny's going to fill in on Friday. That's what he says. Ben said. You know, why don't you call the show from four to six and talk to a real sports show? And I go, ooh. <laughs> okay. Anyway, buddy, while well, you hey, you enjoy Friday, I mean, you know, I talk to you. Well, you, know, you are going to be you're gonna dress like a man for once. Not, you're probably going to wear clogs. So you'll be a fairy. <laughs> I'm gonna wear so. clogs. Yeah, I'm going to wear clogs. Thanks, Dave. Have a good one. All right, buddy. Oh, that's David Monona. I am going to, and I waited for him to hang up to say this. Oh, I'm going to dance like a madman, though. I wonder what Dave thinks of that. Different conversation for a different time. The bunny hop is manly, but... You know, you doing a you some Crip Walks or the Charleston. I can't Dougie. Dave probably wouldn't approve of that. John Boy texts in. John Boy, I'm sorry. I should have got to these texts earlier, but we've just got some calls, and I, I just put it aside. I'm sorry. Talking about Aaron Rodgers and 
how he seemingly got a lot better once Jordan Love got drafted. We talked about this back around 4.30. And I, I just think it's interesting. Would Rodgers have these two MVPs if not for the Jordan Love pick? Right, just an idea been kicking around. John Boy texted in this, and then we'll take a break, get to baseball with David Gasper. John Boy said, I think it's a combination of several things. Rodgers does want to throw picks, so he... Oh, he doesn't want to throw picks, so he only throws to his most trusted wide receivers. Um, he's too afraid of losing to focus on winning. I like that. He doesn't have leadership skills to lift the team around him. He can get a spark from one or two, but how many would actually sacrifice their body for him? Other factors include not putting good defense, special teams around him, some crap luck in the playoffs. I agree. They have had some bad luck. A few dud performances and Lambo weather uh, evening the playing field when we were favorites in the game. I think that's all excellent and very astute, John Boy. I agree. I think it's a combination of lots of things. But to completely absolve Aaron Rodgers from any and all blame because, well, their defense was bad and they got unlucky. Sure, but the defense wasn't that bad, and they weren't that unlucky for 11 straight years. There's lots of factors. Let's stop with the Aaron Rodgers talk, as fun as this is. I'm loving this. We're going to talk to David Gasper, reviewing the brew. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today, and obviously that's not happening. So we'll talk about that with David Gasper coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. I'm checking my weather app because it's actually 36 degrees in La Crosse, where I am right now. Let me see if I have Madison. It's 33 in Madison. Uh, I don't have Eau Claire, but I have... No, I don't have Menominee either. Maybe it's a little bit colder up north. For our listeners on Sports Talk 105.1, I, I bring this up because it would feel about 10 degrees warmer today if pitchers and catchers were reporting the way that they were supposed to, but they didn't because baseball's locked out. No matter. I still want to talk with David Gasper, reviewing the brew. He joined us weekly last year during the brewer season. I still, first of all, Gasper, before we go, I still have to commend you on that. That was an incredible feat to the point Thank where you. you were reminding me that it was Tuesday and you were coming on. Like you were producing your own segments. So I just, again, a, a Herculean task from you last season. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. But I had to keep you in line somehow, you know, I, it's not, I did it last week to a guest too, where I, I, I reached out to him on Monday and we agreed on Thursday. And then some point throughout the week, my brain switched to Friday. So I got to Friday to text him. And then I realized that we agreed on Thursday and I, I never reached out. Friday worked for him anyways, but I felt like, uh, I didn't feel professional. That was a ding to the, the mm-hmm. professional ego. So let's start pitchers and catchers supposed to report today. They are not. So before we do some more brewers related topics, let's just BS, I guess a little bit about the lockout and Rob Manfred. Are we naive to think that the season's going to start on time? Because I, I never thought spring training was going to start on time, but I always thought, well, they'll figure it out before the regular season. Is it naive to think that, that the regular season is actually going to start on time at this point? I mean, I don't know if naive's the right word. I mean, I, I think with this and what we've seen with baseball for the past several years is that baseball is motivated by deadlines. You know, you see it in July at the trade deadline. You saw it before the lockout this year with all the transactions going on in, in the, in the few days before the, the expected lockout, everyone was moving, everything was happening and baseball, you know, they're, they're going to be kind of motivated, motivated by that here. Um, they never saw, you know, pitchers and catchers report date, I suppose as a true deadline, uh, perhaps the loss of opening day, the loss of regular season games. When they get to that point, they'll, they'll see that more as a deadline. I, I feel like, 
and they're not quite there yet. Based, apparently in the last proposal that, that came out on Saturday that the league gave to the players, they put it, they had like a calendar. It's like, okay, we need to kind of agree by, by this date in order to save opening day. We need to agree by this date to, to save whatever. But it, it, they aren't at the point yet where opening day is officially done. But with how far apart these guys are, they have a long, long ways to go. And perhaps once we get closer to that deadline, whenever the, whenever that is, whenever that day that they have circled on the calendar is where they are going to lose regular season games, maybe then we'll see movement. Um, but spring training for sure is delayed. And perhaps opening day, we'll see. But yeah. baseball has historically been motivated by deadlines. And when we get closer, we could see a lot of movement. So we're all motivated by deadlines, right? I think Mm -hmm. the issue is if I have something for my job that's due on Friday, it's not going to piss everyone off if I wait until Thursday night to do it. I think with baseball, maybe what they're missing, even if they start the season on time, they are alienating a lot of people right now, and they're annoying a lot Mm -hmm. of fans right now. Are they underestimating how willingly people might be or like how willing people might be to get annoyed with baseball or maybe even forget it exists? Like, are they living in their own world where where they're just going about their business right now and no one's annoyed? Because people are people are ticked. Like, I love spring training. Mm-hmm. And it's really annoying to read about all this stuff. And I think maybe the effects of all of the noise and all of the drama, even if the season starts, I think maybe baseball and the players are underestimating how, how much we take that seriously. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that uh, the league is, is underestimating. The players, I think, understand it a little bit more. I mean, we're seeing the players very active. Uh, on social media and presenting their case and public opinion is, has definitely been a lot more on the player's side this time. Whereas in the past player public opinion has actually been a lot more on the side of the owners, uh, which is a little bit surprising, but I mean, this is the first time we have a labor stoppage in baseball in the social media era. I mean, the last time was in 1994, you know, point. we barely had the internet working back then. Uh, we certainly didn't have Twitter. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have, uh, any, anything like that for these guys to really get their voices out. And I, I think it's certainly having an impact this time. And, and I think the players are a bit more in touch. I, I think they're still a, a little bit out, but the players are, are fighting for, they're, they're fighting to try to get a lot back that they have lost in recent years. I mean, the, the previous few CBAs have been really bad for the players and they're trying to gain it all back or gain as much of it back as they can in one fell swoop. And I don't think they have realized yet that they're just not going to be able to. You're going to have to take some gains. You're going to have to realize that you're not going to be able to get some of them back, at least right now. You can fight for some stuff to start um, and kind of get yourself a good baseline, get, get yourself some ground, but you're not going to get it all back, not, not in this CBA. The owners just simply will not give all that up right away. Even if you lose a few games, even if you lose a week or two, uh, or a month of regular season games, the owners aren't going to give up that much ground that quickly that they have gained over the past 10, 15 years. Well, and I, I think of this quote from Seinfeld. I saw this episode the other night where Jerry tells Elaine, I think is the back and forth where he's like, you can't, just, you can't break up with someone just in one fell swoop. It's like knocking over a Coke machine. You got to rock it a couple of times <laughs> and then eventually it goes over and, and it sucks for players that are playing now to realize, okay, well, we can't get what we want, but if we do our part, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 
then things will be better for the players, but they won't be in the league then. So it's difficult for players who are trying mm-hmm. to make their money now to, to take that approach. I, I understand the frustration of the players, uh, certainly. We're talking with David Gasper, reviewing the brew, something that I thought was just horrendous for baseball today, and I guess we don't need to dwell on it, but it's just, it's not funny, but it's almost laughable how baseball works. The same week that they are postponing spring training and they're missing out on what should be a really exciting time, they have... Matt Harvey in a courtroom today talking about how he used to do oxy and cocaine in a dugout. And I'm just like, why, why is baseball just so bad at this? Is it just, they don't care about optics or, or is it truly in that bad of a place as a sport? Cause I saw Craig council speak lacrosse loggers about a couple weeks ago. He was asked about, it. he's like, Oh, baseball's in a terrible spot. The game's slow. We need to fix this and this and this. So is baseball just not recognizing that they're doing so poorly at all these different things or did they just not care? You know what? I think for, I mean, it depends on who you ask for, you know, whether they care about certain things. I mean, if you ask the league office and Manfred, you know, it's all about making money. Sure. Um, and, and as long as they're making money and, you know, the product is good in that sense, you're, you're getting commercials, you're getting advertisers, you're getting ticket sales and whatever else, then as far as they're concerned, the game is fine. Um, but I mean, certainly if you look at the player level, I mean, there are, a lot of issues. I mean, you've got guys and, you know, yeah, the Matt Harvey thing, you know, the, the details that came out on that and the Tyler Skaggs, Eric K trial, um, you know, that those are really kind of horrifying things. And you got guys talking about, it's like, Hey, I'm a, like, I'm afraid to uh, report injuries. Like I, I got to continue to go out there because you're so uh, in fear of, of losing your jobs and being sent down to the minors or being, uh, released and I mean the the minor leagues are their whole different issue that that's been coming up in recent days with the league reportedly trying to uh, cut down the number of minor league players and uh, they they don't want to pay minor league players any sort of a, a decent wage um, so so it's really just kind of been a mess all the way around a lot of things need to be fixed uh, with how the league treats its players and, and how uh, the and how really kind of the whole thing runs, yeah. but the league doesn't really seem to be interested in fixing those things, it which is like it, leading though. to a huge disconnect between these two sides. And I mean, the, the players are angry. The, the players are angry that they've been upset. And really, it doesn't seem like the league is taking their concerns seriously. You know, what's funny to me is my like. My, my my acceptance level for baseball is so low. Just be on. Just be on my TV. Just be on my radio. Like, I, I've seen so many bad Brewers teams over my life, Gasper. I Like, it's just a thing that I want. I don't care if the team's terrible. I'm going to have it on the radio when I run errands. I'm going to go, when I go fly fishing around the, but you've lived in lacrosse in the beautiful Driftless region. I'm going to take my little radio, clip it on my backpack. I'm going to stand in the stream, cast my fishing rod. I'm yeah, gonna listen. listen to Bob Euchre. It's great. Exactly. Now, the Brewers are good right now, and that's amazing. Be, like baseball doesn't have to be perfect. Just be on. You're the only sport on in the summer. And it, and it's funny that they're still so terribly bad and they can't figure some of these things out. It's, it's really frustrating. I, I don't know. Do they have to, I mean, they got to figure this lockout first. I guess they can't solve all of these problems at once, but it would, it, I mean, being on the field is a start, right? Like just yeah, getting the labor like, out. Yeah. And baseball just can't seem to, to get out of its own way. I mean, yeah. You know, we, we've been talking and, you know, pretty much ever since Manfred came in, you know, that, you know, there's been a lot of the talk about, oh, baseball needs to improve its product, you know, change the rules, change the gameplay, uh, all these other things. And it's like you're 
you're being terrible at marketing your sport. Like you're telling everyone that it sucks and that it needs to change. And it's like, yeah, you actually have a really good product here, a product that people really like and really enjoy. I agree. And instead of highlighting the good aspects of it, you're highlighting the bad ones, you know, instead of trying to fix them, yeah. uh, you're just highlighting it and complaining about it. Um, and, and not really doing anything that's actually going to help. And it, it's just been a real struggle for, for baseball to get out of its own way. I mean, you, you had a shortened season. You, you had 60 games in 2020. That remains brutal. And you, you could have had more if the two sides could simply figure things out and understand how to talk to each other and trust each other. Those two sides do not trust each, trust each other at all. Then 2021, you have 162 games, but especially for the first half of the season, you got limited capacity, so that's also limiting revenue. Um, and now for, for this season, if you have a shortened season again, if you have less than 162 games, when you should be at full capacities for stadiums starting at opening day, like, th- like this is your chance to like get back. Like th- you're going to have full revenues. You, you aren't really going to be able to complain about money anymore because you got it all flowing through as normal once again. And they just can't get out of their own way right now. They, they can't get out of their own way and get to a full schedule, a full season, with a full fan, with full stadiums, and they're they're bickering about this because neither side is able to trust the other. I want to talk about David Stearns. This is, I guess, a more Brewer-specific question. Mm-hmm. I think David Stearns would be a successful GM most stops. Like, okay, he could go to a really dysfunctional team, and, and sure, maybe he could fail. But I think any team would be lucky to have David Stearns. When I saw the contract details emerge, and tell me if I have this right, so if the Brewers make the World Series this year, he's free to go. He's an unrestricted free agent, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But if they don't make the World Series this year, he's under contract for one more year through the end of 2023. I, you know what? I think Milwaukee's an unreal spot for David Stearns. I think that the limited budget of the Brewers keeps expectations relatively low relative to the Yankees or the Astros or the Dodgers. And I think his best skill that we've seen the last couple of years is that he can put together a team on the cheap and he can be really tactful and really selective and choosy. I think the Brewers have been an amazing spot for him to showcase his skills. I don't think they're holding him back. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think the Brewers are necessarily like, oh, we're like, we're so lucky to have you. I think this is a great situation for David Stearns, too. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a situation that, that he likes and that he enjoys and he enjoys being here. Um, you know, and, and he set and he set that goal of being a World Series team. You know, he yeah. he said at his introductory press conference, "I wouldn't come here if I didn't think it was possible to win a World Series in Milwaukee." So, just despite the the bar being low, perhaps for for Brewers fans' expectations, he sets the bar extremely high for himself. That's fair. Uh, he wants that World Series in Milwaukee, and I think that's why he has that clause in his contract, as reported by Andy Martino, that. If they make the World Series, if they get there, he can he can opt out because everyone knows the New York Mets won. The New York Mets sure. have been wanting David Stearns for several years, uh, and they've been trying to get him, and, they, and they're almost purposefully leaving their president of baseball operations spot open so that just in case he's available, they could get him. And Stearns grew up a Mets fan, so, I mean, that that's really kind of an interesting opportunity for him. And... You know, as much as he has a skill of building a team on a budget, mm-hmm. I think every executive would, would like a little bit more available to them. I mean, sure. we've seen this in recent years with the Brewers going after some uh, free agent targets not being able to get them. Look at Justin Turner uh, and, the, and their pursuit of him last year. And they didn't get him. 
they, they made a pretty strong offer. They and Mark Anazio was, was willing to go to make a strong offer. But the Dodgers were able to match it and offer, I think, maybe slightly more. But they were able to match it, and he went back there. Now, if he would, if he had the Mets payroll where he could just kind of blow whatever the Dodgers were offering out of the water, yeah. he could have gotten them. And he could have gotten this guy, and a lot of things would have changed. So, you know, as, much, as skilled as he is building it on a budget, having more available to him will help him bring in better players. Because, you know, even though he can make, you know, he can get good finds with a Luis Arias or, um, you know, a Willie Adamas and guys like that, if you could go out and get a Carlos Correa, That'd also be, you know, a, a good thing yeah, uh, for GM. So, you know, he he really wants to see it through in Milwaukee, and that's why he's got that um, vesting option in, in his contract. If he's able to make it, if he's able to see it through and get a World Series for Milwaukee, then I think he's like, okay, I have finished what I started, yeah. and now I can be free to look elsewhere. But I don't think he wants to leave until he finishes the job. You know, until he That's until fair. he gets that World Series, I think he wants to stay here and finish on that promise. You have a breakout player for the Brewers this year, assuming a season happens. You have one guy that you're just amped out of your mind to watch. He doesn't need to be for specific reasons. Just somebody maybe you've caught yourself thinking about over the last few weeks. Um, well, I'm I'm very excited to see uh, Aaron Ashby and, and what role yeah. that they're able to to put him in. If they find a spot for him in the rotation, uh, if he ends up in the bullpen once again. Uh, but he's an extremely talented pitcher, and he's someone that, that I'm excited to see. Are they – so what about with Hayter? We thought Hayter was going to be gone. Like I, I, I remember – this feels so long ago. Hayter was gone. I, I, had, I had kind of accepted it. So how does the lockout play into that whole thing? We just stopped talking about that. I forgot about this. Right. Well, I mean, we've got the transaction freeze that's still in place, so they couldn't trade him right now even if they wanted to um, or even if they have something worked out. and. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's been some back channel dealings. No one's supposed to, but you know, GM's probably still talking to well, each you can other. Talk about and, it be like, hey, once we can do this deal, let's do this deal. Like that's right. Yeah, sure. I mean, they could still be talking, but um, there, there's no way to really know. And, and you know, perhaps once the freeze ends, well, like once the freeze ends, we're going to see a frenzy Electric. of transactions, of Electric. trades, of free agent signings, everything. We're going to see a whole bunch. I don't know if haters going to be a part of that. It depends if someone's willing to pay the price. And Stearns has set a very high price on Josh Hader, understandably so. And if someone's willing and able to pay it, then I think he'll take a, a really strong, hard look at doing that deal. Um, but in, until that happens, he's under no pressure to to move him. And um, if we don't see him moved in, in spring training here but before the season starts, I doubt we're going to see him moved in July because the Brewers are going to be contending again. And, yeah. You don't trade your closer when you're contending. Unless so. you're the Mariners. Mariners would, but remember they right. did that last year. Sure. Right, but <laughs> but that's not very typical. No. The and then, but then other than that, you have next offseason, you know, because at that point, Tater has one year of control left, and that, that'd be your last opportunity to trade him if yeah. they choose to do so. So, you know, th- this is going to be the, the, the peak of his value. It, it's not going to get any higher Agreed. than right now. Um, as as we go forward, will it happen? Who knows? But the Brewers are a really strong team, uh, and they're a really good team when they have Josh Hader as their closer. They win a lot of games. They've won a lot of games because of Josh Hader. We've gotten used to it. I don't remember life before having a lights out closer, which is kind of it's fun. And now we can say I don't remember life before having a knockout rotation as well. Brewers are good. 
I hope we don't have too crazy. Like, all right, if the season's delayed a week, I'll I'll put up with it. But I hope we don't have crazy interruptions to the season. I hope they get right, it figured but, out. But I mean, the shortened spring training, I mean, could have a, a negative impact on the Brewers because I mean, spring training is typically six weeks. Yeah, and that especially is for starting pitchers, you need that for, ramp up period. Yeah, yes, that that's for pitchers to ramp up, and uh, with say a four week ramp up period and, instead of six. That could lead to a, a lot of injuries, uh, and and that could lead to some problems, and it may lead to a, an opening day start by Corbin Burns only Three going innings. five innings, <laughs> five five innings and seventy five pitches, and then everyone on Twitter complaining about Craig Council pulling his guys to her. Council, oh um, my god, I can't wait! If we get a shortened ramp up period, we're gonna get three four inning starts. I can't wait because it'll make my job very easy taking calls. At, at least for the first few weeks. Because yeah. then, then after that, they should be ramped up. But, yeah. That's funny. Well, thanks, Gasper. I'm going to let you go because i got to take one last break. But this has been nice. And I hope here in a couple weeks we get some developments and we can reconnect and, and talk about baseball a little bit more because I love it. And I, and I miss not having spring training already. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can have baseball back soon. Take care, friend. David Gasper, reviewing the brew. Follow him. Twitter, dgasper24. Read his stuff reviewing the brew.com. He's got content like every day when there's content right now. Baseball is obviously a little bit quiet. Let's take a break. Closing remarks, final comments, whether they be Packers or baseball related. We'll do that next on the Wisco sports show. This is the Wisco sports show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network.